Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Answering the Call, offering a glimpse into the spiritual journeys of local priests, deacons, and religious. And now, Answering the Call with Elizabeth Vicacelli. Hi there, and thank you for joining us on Answering the Call here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 and streaming live to you at stgabrielradio.com. I'm your host, Elizabeth Ficicelli. You're probably familiar with the Children of Mary. They wear their distinctive purple habits and usually a big smile. And we're delighted to have with us today one of the recently fully professed sisters of this growing community, uh, Sister Faustina Maria, to share her very insightful journey to religious life. So welcome to Answering the Call, Sister Faustina Maria. Thank you. Now, you were born in Reno, Nevada. You moved to Northern California soon after, and then to the Arkansas, Missouri area. Um, And you were not from a typical Catholic family. That's correct. So go ahead and describe first your family to us. Well, um, in the home that I grew up in, it was, we had no religion, no faith. Um, I had been to Protestant churches with my friends, and had no one really ever sat down with me and said, you know, this is who... God is, um, I just saw what I saw at those churches, and what I saw was people acting rather strange, raising their hands in the air and doing different things, and I didn't understand why. And I just remember getting a sense of like, um, this isn't authentic. Not that it wasn't, but that was the sense that I felt. Um, And so in my mind at that point, God equals makes people act weird. (laughs) So I didn't really want anything to do with it. Um, and my mom was never talked about in my home. Um, my dad has full tattoos, sleeves, um, tattoos on his head. Um, my mom and dad's marriage certificate has us, um, two skeletons dancing oh boy, on yeah. it. So that was the, you know, rock and roll home that I grew up in. Yeah. And your parents, um, split when you were little. Yes. So your dad wasn't really too much in the picture. We're going to come back to your dad because that's an interesting story too. So for the most part, it's you and your mom. Yes. Growing up. And uh, so, again, this this household that did not have religion, um, but obviously something would happen, uh, the fact that we're sitting across the table from you and you are a sister today. So something had to have broken into this household where there was no religion. So what was that? Well, my mom, uh, she had a rental car for her work, and she's a um, fallen away Catholic. She's actually a convert and a revert. A convert and a revert. Yes. Okay. So she came into the church um, when she was 18 years old. She had actually watched a film about a nun when she was 10 and wanted to be Catholic, but the priest had said, your parents aren't Catholic, so you need to wait. So she comes into the church, and then she falls away sometime after being 18. And now um, I'm 12 years old, and she gets into a rental car that she has for her job. And she turns on the car, and it happens to be turned on to EWTN. <laughs> and she's driving along, listening, and she it was um, a, the call-in show, you know, where you can call in and, and atheists call in or ask questions mm-hmm. and Catholic answers. And so she actually is just, she's so struck by what they're saying that she actually has to pull the car over and is like, I have to come back. This is the truth. I have to come back. So now, all of a sudden, my mom comes back, and she's going to mass and it's never been talked about. You know, and we hear this, by the way, about Catholic radio. I mean, this is how Catholic radio works. It does hit people over the head with, with the truth. And so here you are, like you say, you're 12. Your mother now is like going to mass. So where did that leave you and how did you process that? Because that's a big change. Yes. Well, it's interesting because you would think that since I'm only 12, my mom would say, this is what we're doing and you're coming to mass but she actually didn't do that. She said, this is what I'm doing, and you don't have to do it. So I said, okay, fine, I won't. 
So I would sit, uh, had a friend that would stay the night on Saturday nights. And um, every Sunday morning while my mom goes into mass, we would sit in the car. And, um, you know, a few weeks go by and we all, you know, sitting in there. My friend one week says, come on, let's just go inside. It's better than sitting out here. And I said, okay. So that was the first time I ever went into mass. And um, right away I noticed it was different than the Protestant churches that I'd been to. Um, and what initially drew me was the order that everyone was sitting at the same times. So they were all focused on one thing, speaking at the same time. And that drew me, well, what's happening here? There's something happening. Um, and, uh, you know, meanwhile, my mom's playing Catholic Answers in the home. And so I'm hearing a lot of this truth. Um, and and eventually um, what got me to want to be baptized was uh, everyone was going up for communion. And each week I wasn't able to come up because by then I wanted to keep coming. Um, and my mom explained to me, this is Jesus that they're receiving. So I didn't understand baptism, but I said, I want to receive our Lord. So if I have to be baptized, I, I want to do that. So I was baptized at the Easter vigil when I was 12. So it was just the, the desire to receive Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, and it doesn't sound like you went through a lot of training or anything. No. So how did you then continue and grow in your faith? Uh, just suddenly at 12, receiving the Eucharist, receiving, you know, baptism. How, how did you know, God take you into the next step of your journey? Well, my mom, um, she's a very intelligent woman, and having, um, she, she had just caught this fire now that she's hearing the truth. And so, like I said, the radio is always playing, so she was able to, to teach me and, and, and explain to me who, who Jesus was um, in the Eucharist, and that was what initially started. It was thanks to her. But um, where I really messed up was that I didn't, um, after coming to the church, my mom taught me very well, it's a mortal sin to miss Mass on a Sunday, willfully. So you better believe we would be there every Sunday. Mm-hmm. But outside of Sunday Mass, I did not have a daily prayer life. I did not have an intimate relationship knowing Jesus as a person. And because of that, um, you know, especially in that teenage, preteen years, if you don't have a, a relationship with our Lord, you're going to very easily be caught up into the world. So, you know, you're that you're still trying to figure out who you are mm-hmm. and how you're supposed to be. Um, and so that's what happened. And I ended up getting involved in a um, not a good scene, not the right place that, that the Lord wanted me to be. So I was still going to Mass every Sunday. Um, and a lot of things I, I was just justifying to myself, you know, that, that this wasn't wrong. This is fine. It's okay to live this way. And, um, you know, kind of a willful ignorance, not wanting to look too much into what the church teaches. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, just, just going on that way. Um, and so it actually, it wasn't until I was about, um, 17 or 18 that that started to change. And God would send someone important into your life at that age. And who was that? Um, well, it was, a um, a young man named David and it was interesting because again, I knew the Catholic church was the t- true faith. And so I was actually his sponsor and I brought him into the church and afterward, he said to me, he said, you, you know, we really should be praying. You know that, don't you? <laughs> and I said, okay, you're right. <laughs> and um, at that point, for me, um, religion was very compartmentalized part of my life. So it didn't permeate everything that I did at that point. It was just like, you know, this box over here, you go to mess on Sunday, do these certain things to make you feel good about yourself, like you're doing the right thing, you're not going to go to hell, and then go on and live your life however you want. So I had a tender conscience, though. And he convicted me strongly. And so now in this um, box of religion is suddenly flashing prayer, prayer, and I know I need to do it. So um, I said, okay, I heard about this thing. It's called the rosary. 
takes like 25, 30 minutes. We can pray it basically and just be on our way and live the way we want. <laughs> and I thought it would be very easy. <laughs> but if for anyone that's tried to pray the rosary every day, it's quite a different story. So you might know. Um, so what, what ended up happening was I, I realized, it, well, first of all, from that moment, nothing was ever the same. Like that changed the course of my entire life. Once I made that commitment to pray the rosary every day, Our Lady took me by the hand and just my life was over and my life began. Yeah. (laughs) So tell us about the specific graces that you you learned, you gained from doing that practice every day. Well, Our Lady began to give me a series of graces. um, And the first one would be that I... If you would have asked me before, are you in control of your life? I would have been like, um, what are you talking about? Of course I am. But I realized I actually wasn't because my will was saying, I want to pray the rosary every day. But my desires, they ruled me. So I'd kneel down to pray. Well, I'd rather do this. I'd rather do that. And I had to step back and say, wait a minute. Who's in control here? Mm -hmm. Like, If I say that we serve God and I say we pray the rosary every day, then we do it. And I had to force myself to kneel down there and every morning and pray that rosary. And it was not like, oh, I found this great prayer and it makes me feel so good and I just want to do this. It, it was a, a battle, the battle of prayer, like the catechism speaks about. Mm. And that's really what it was. Um, and so through that uh, process of, you know, slowly starting to pray every day, um, more graces started to come. And I had what we, what you'd call a scriptural rosary book. Because if you would have said... Um, um, take this rosary and meditate on the mystery of the Annunciation. I would have been like the Annunciation. What? What? You know, <laughs> what does that mean? Um, so this way, I was able to learn the scripture while I was praying, and I was starting to see um, in my life that there were a lot of areas where I was not being like Our Lady. I was not saying, "Behold, the handmaid of the Lord; be it done to me according to Thy word." I was saying, "My will be done." <laughs> you know, and um, just starting to realize, hey, I'm not actually as good as I'm trying to make myself out to be and starting to being able give she was giving me the grace to be able to admit finally that certain things in my life they were sinful or they were not helpful um to growing in a a deeper relationship with our lord and i would say the next really major grace that she gave me was the grace to realize that i was totally miserable Hmm. and if you would have said to me are you happy i would have been like yeah, I'm happy. What are you talking about? Like I have, I have a job, but I live with my mom. In my mind, this was happiness. (laughs) I live with my mom so I can spend my entire paycheck on whatever I want. I have friends, I have clothes, um, I have a phone, a computer, everything's great. But I realized, strip it all away. Take away the music, take away the friends, take away everything. Just put me alone in a room with the rosary. Be like, uh, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> let's do something, you know? And that silence forced me to look at myself. And I started to realize, whoa, I'm actually not doing, I'm not as happy. I'm not happy. I realized that everything in my life was a distraction from the fact that I was miserable. So I felt like I was happy when I was doing these things because I was distracted from the fact that I was miserable. So my life was a constant chasing after fun because as long as I was having fun, I was happy. But through the rosary and and meditation on the scripture is really what it was. It was Our Lady walking me through meditation on the scripture in the life of Jesus. I was finally able to admit these certain things were sins, go to confession, 
make a good confession with a resolution to stay away from the near occasions of sin. And through that and through the daily prayer, I was slowly starting to taste true joy, authentic happiness, which I didn't even know I didn't have or I didn't even know existed. Mm. And I started to become actually happy. And at that point, certain things that, that, that were a distraction from my misery, they started to become a distraction from this true happiness mm. that I was finding. And I, and I less and less wanted to be a, a part of them because I realized their temporalness. Yeah. And she was also revealing to me, she said, do you realize that everything in your life that, you're, that you derive your happiness from, that you are putting your heart into, is temporal? Like that, it can be taken away from you. You can, it, it, it's going to all pass away, first of all, you know, let alone it could be stripped from you. And that's not what God wants. You know, we all have this God-shaped hole in our hearts that only, that only the Lord can be the one to fulfill that. And if we're trying to put anything temporal in there, we're never going to be satisfied. And so, um, yeah, I was given the grace to, to finally stay away from those things and build this relationship with with our Lord. We're talking with Sister Faustina Maria from the Children of Mary. She's recently uh, fully professed, and she's our guest today on Answering the Call. So, you know, you're doing all this pretty mature spiritual growth going on through your prayer life. Was your mom on board with it? Was she, you know, helpful and encouraging to this, or did that intimidate her in any way? I don't know what exactly was was going through my mom's mind during it all. Um, I, I, As I said, that, that um, boy that had helped me to pray, start praying the rosary. We were, we were frequently praying together um, most of the time. And I did pray with my mom as well. But yeah, I'm not sure. I'll have to ask her that. <laughs> <laughs> and talk about this young man now. Was there romantic feelings going on in this relationship as well? Uh, to a certain extent, yes. Um, it was rather strange the way that things were. Um, we were, it was very logical in my mind. Um, he, I believe, had fallen in love with me, um, very much so, um, and and was of just so kind and so good. Um, so he cared for me much. So he really had the calling to be married. He he kind of knew what he wanted. Um, and was that the same for you? Had you been thinking about vocation yet? Well. Where I lived, it was about two percent Catholic population. So there, um, and the little we actually the mission it was a mission church where we went to to mass. They did not have daily mass; they only had it on Sundays and one day during the week. Um, and it was literally just like thirty old people. There was no youth group. Mm. There was no nothing. I never had seen a sister. I never had heard anybody talk about vocation. So what had happened uh, with with as I was you know developing this life of prayers, I started to read about the lives of the saints. And I started to really catch fire with just this desire for holiness, seeing this is all real. This is the supernatural is real. God is actually knowable. Whereas before you would have said, you know, do you know Jesus? I would have said, yeah, I know Jesus. He walked the earth 2000 years ago. You know, he died on the cross. I know Jesus, but I didn't know him. And I'm just realizing, wow, God is alive and I can know him and I can be in relationship with him. So now I'm reading this about these saints and this fire is just consuming to to want to be holy. And uh, I I remember though one one time I went to mass, and the deacon um, afterwards said to me, um, he said, "Have you ever thought about a vocation?" And I had never quite it, it was finally concretely put to me there. And I had that I said, "Hmm, well, 
it's kind of interesting. All these saints that I'm reading about, St. Therese of Lisieux, St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, they're all um, either sisters or priests or monks. And maybe I should think about this. Um, so David and I both, you know, we were both opening, just wanting the will of God. Um, and I always wanted to be married. I always had that desire, you know, to to um, to raise children and, and be a wife and a mother. And um, even as I started to come closer, you know, to, to God, I thought, you know, how wonderful it would be to be a stay-at-home mom and homeschool my children and raise a whole herd of saints, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, so it wasn't that it was, it was never a disappe- disappealing thing to me. Um, and I just, I remember um, praying and, and God gave me the grace to get to the point um, where I was like, all I want, Lord, is what you want. Whatever you want, that is what I want. Just show me what you want. If you want me to get married, I'll get married. If you want me to, to be a sister, I'll be a sister. Let's just, just show me what you want. And um, David was praying the same thing. And I start, I everything externally was, was perfect. There was this perfect guy who loved the Lord, was head over heels in love with me, wanted to raise a family, a holy family. It was perfectly, completely ideal. But yet there was something in my heart that just was like, maybe this, I'm not sure that this, it wasn't just like, this is it. Yes, it's perfect, Lord. You've brought everything into my life. It's completely obvious this is what you want. There was something that was still, I'm not sure. And I wanted to, I would kneel down and pray about it. And I wanted to put a label on this feeling in my heart of dissatisfaction or not quite being able to accept it all. And so I said, hmm, well, maybe it's because, maybe this feeling is because I don't want to raise children in the world. And I'm afraid that, well, what if I get married and I have these children and I'm not able to control their life and they end up going and they leave the church and they become horrible and I did everything I could and my whole vocation was screwed up. And and I said, (laughs) I said, well, that must be the reason why, because I don't want that. And Jesus said, oh, really? You, You think that's why? Well, let me show you this. And so we found this place where you can actually be married and be out of the world. And it's basically people living in community. They want to become saints and they want to raise saints. And so we call them up. They're very friendly. They're very nice. They say, yes, come out and visit. And David's all excited about it. And I knelt down and I said, Jesus, what more could you give me? Everything's here. It's right in front of me. What more could I ask for? But yet I still don't have this this full peace. And I remember there was a moment where I was kneeling there before a picture of our Lord. And I just said, Jesus, if you want me to belong totally to you, Yes, I say yes to that. And I want to belong totally to you. And I remember when I had finally gave that consent and just said yes, which I had already been open, but it was like, it wasn't until I actually like made a decision that the peace came. And when I said yes, it was like just that, that feeling that of, of unrest that was in my heart was completely gone. And it was like, yes, this is what I was made for. He wants me to belong to him. And I had a great joy. And I would imagine um, as joyful and peaceful as you were, uh, people like your mom, you know, to, to have her one and only child enter religious life, that would mean no grandchildren, you know, that, that would be a big thing. David, you know, who loved you with that holy love and wanted God's will, but still, that it all had to be bittersweet, let's say that, you know, for yes. that. You know, and your guess we could have on for three more hours. I hate that we fight the clock here, but tell us the story of how... You discerned children to marry. Well, um, 
I didn't understand charism because, again, I'd never met sisters. And I thought that all religious sisters, it meant that you wanted to radically leave the world, give everything to Jesus, be his spouse, and just spend all your energy on becoming holy and becoming a saint, which is exactly what it is to be a religious sister. But I didn't understand that they the different charisms, different communities, different missions. I had no understanding of that. So I just said, well, I'll just go online. And the first place that will accept me, that's where I'll go. So um, I visited one community and they did not accept me because the, um, they were not taking um, women that were only ch- an only child. And I was an only child um, and because they had had issues with that. So, OK, that's not it. And then the next place that I went, um, well, I, I was in contact with Children of Mary and with one other community. And I only had enough money to visit one or the other. And Children of Mary, a very young, vibrant community, they were a little bit slower in responding to my emails and my phone calls, whereas this other community, they were getting kind of dying out, and they were very um, excited to have a young sister wanting to come visit them. So I said, okay, I'll go there first. So I went there, and it was a cloistered community, and it was so beautiful. And I remember there was such a peace there, this great peace, and that I was giving my life to God. Um, and trying to see the sisters. And I stayed there for about five days and I got to see them through the grill. And they actually, it was a radical move that they did. And I didn't realize at the time how radical it was, but she invited the whole community in and they basically accepted me unanimously on the spot there. And I stuck my arm through the grill and they took measurements for my habit. (laughs) Uh, And so I was going to go back and sell everything and and join. So I get back and my mom, we go to the library because that's where we would go on the computer. And she is saying to me, just look at this website again, talking about children of Mary. Just look at it. I said, no, mom, I'm not going to look. I already know what I'm doing. This is all settled. Well, she convinced me. So I started looking at the website and I said, oh, wow. Yeah, this is a pretty nice community. And those sisters, they really love our Eucharistic Lord. And there's a lot of reverence and they're beautiful. And and so I, um, I said, well, Okay, I'm sorry that I looked at that because now <laughs> I got to talk to the people in Texas. <laughs> yes, I couldn't get it out of my mind. So I called called them and I said, "Give me three days to pray about this." Um, she said, "You know that this could be a temptation from the enemy, trying to tempt you away from your true vocation with us." And I said, "You're right. It could be. Give me three days." So I pray for three days, and in the course of those three days, um, I said to the Lord, Jesus. If this is all I want is what you want. And if this desire is not from you, just take it away. I don't want it. And in those three days, it didn't go away. It got stronger and stronger. And by the third day, I knew I had to call her back. So I came and, and visited Children of Mary. Tell the story about the flowers real quick. Oh, this one, I don't know if how if my imagination embellished it a little, but um, I would walk to work. Um, every day about three mile walk and there there was a field that I would pass by and on the f- the first day of this three days of prayer dead field pa- second day dead field and on the third day the day that I'm going to call the mother superior back and tell her whether or not I'm going to go visit children of Mary I walk by the same exact field and now it's covered with purple flowers <laughs> which so. of course is the color of, of the habit of your community yes. and so that was a beautiful sign and at the age of 20 um, you enter formation with children of Mary in Newark five and a half year formation, your dad, um, who didn't probably understand a lot of this, uh, ended up coming to visit you there too. So what a blessing that was. Yes. Yep. He, um, he's, we never thought that he would, he would come out cause, um, he didn't even want to come into a church. So it was a huge grace that he would be willing to come and be stuck for about four or five days with sisters. And all we do is pray, you know, and, um, but he came out and, and, and I were, I pray, was remember I, I was praying to the Lord and I said, this is a huge grace, 
But I know you said that if you, we ask anything with trust, that you want, you want to grant it. And I said, Jesus, this might sound like a lot, but let him want to come to everything. Every holy hour, chapel of divine mercy, divine office, everything, let him want to come. And you know what? He came to every single thing. Not a blessing. God gave him the grace. Yep. And we will pray for him, continue on his journey. Yes, whatever he's not Lord, baptized yet, so please pray. We Thank will you. pray for him. And in the meantime, you are down, there's five of you down in Cincinnati mm-hmm. uh, from, from the community. And uh, just summarize real quick the kind of work you do. Well, we're a semi-contemplative community. Um, our charism is to quench our Lord's thirst to be loved in the most blessed sacrament, as he revealed to St. Margaret Mary that he thirsts specifically to be loved in the most blessed sacrament, um, and he's wo- that he's wounded by the indifference of people toward him there. So all of our work um, that we do tends towards that. So also our contemplative life, firstly and foremost, um, to quench his thirst with our own love. So small things with great love, everything we do. Um, And then as we go out, it all flows from that intimate relationship with our Eucharistic Lord. So um, right now we go to the women's prison in Dayton, Ohio. Um, Every Monday we go there. Um, The alternating Mondays we have have, uh, RCIA and then we have Mass with them. We go to a nursing home once a month, and we teach them about redemptive suffering. We utilize the media, um, CDs, prayer cards, uh, DVDs, anything we can do. Um, go anywhere we're invited to speak, help out with retreats. Basically, just our, our apostolate is very broad, and we can do, we'll do absolutely anything we can to spread love for our Eucharistic Lord. Oh, how beautiful. So people can find out more about the community at childrenofmary.net. Yes. Okay. Um, you know, what, what advice would you give in our last, you know, couple of seconds together? What advice would you give sisters considering this life? I would say, first of all, to establish that relationship of prayer. If you don't have daily prayer, you will never know what your vocation is ever. And once you've established that, to make your next goal to get to that point where you can say, Jesus, all I want is what you want with a complete indifference and meaning it in your heart. All I want is what you want. And if you get to that place infallibly, Jesus will guide you and lead you and you have nothing to fear. Amen. Sister Festina Maria, what a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing. And can you end this uh, with a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Lord Jesus, we praise you and we thank you for all the graces that you have given to all of us in our lives. We thank you that you take such care of each individual soul for your love, your intimate love for us, and your plan that you have thought of for all eternity for our lives. We ask you, Lord Jesus, that whatever vocation you've called us to, whether we're in our vocation or whether we're still seeking to know what our vocation is, that you will give us the grace to enter into a deeper relationship with you every day and give us the grace to say yes to your will in our lives. We ask this all through the Blessed Mother. Dear Lady, may you always be our mother and teach us to love Jesus as you loved him. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit. Spirit. This is Elizabeth Ficicelli. Tune in Tuesdays and Sundays for another edition of Answering the Call. God bless. Answering the Call is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficicelli are available at stgabrielradio.com.